Let's talk about embracing the weight. And one of our band members this morning said, I don't want to hear this message. I don't want to talk about getting good at waiting. How many of you would say that? I don't really want to know how to be good at waiting. I feel you. I don't like this message any more than you do. But I can promise you this, that you guys, there's some area of your life that you're not at where you want to be at. Is that true? You're not where you, and, and so you're sort of in a waiting phase. You can envision and picture life being different. You can envision and picture a change happening where life would be better if. And so you're waiting. And when you and I are waiting, we are tempted. We're tempted to just uh, fold up the tent and just kind of go through the motions and, and wait for the breakthrough to come. And once the breakthrough comes, then I can get on with life. And maybe you could say you got a case of the if-onlys. You ever get the case of the if-onlys? If only my spouse would blank. If only they would get their act together. If only they could say I'm sorry. If only they would treat me better. If only they would put me first. Or maybe you do it at your job. If only my career would take off. If only my boss could recognize how great I am. If only that promotion would come. If only I could find something I really enjoy. If only. Maybe it's in other relationships. If only that person that I'm estranged with would come and apologize. If only they would take the first step. If only that relationship could be repaired. If only, if only, if only. If only they would make fat-free donuts. Life would be awesome. Would that not be awesome? You would eat, I would eat donuts every day if they made fat-free donuts. But when we're waiting, we can feel like we're spinning our wheels and wasting our time. And this morning, I'm here to challenge that. See, I believe something very significant is happening when God has got us in a period of waiting. And I'm not sure what you're waiting for this morning, but I can tell you this. God wants to do something significant in your life while you are. You know, I heard a guy talk about waiting one time, and he said, we should practice waiting. That you and I should go when we're in the grocery store and we're shopping. That if we're going to develop this skill in our life, that we should go and find the longest line and go stand in the longest line to check out in. I said, that is the dumbest idea I have ever heard in my life. I do not want to practice waiting. I have a wife and two daughters in my home. I don't need to practice waiting anymore. How about you? Sorry, y'all. But I'm not looking for waiting. But when waiting comes, how do we wait well? How do we embrace the wait? Check this out. We're going to look at the life of Moses this morning. In the life of Moses, there's a waiting period. And when you and I think of Moses, we think of a great man of God. But there's something significant that happens in his life through this waiting process. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 2, we'll be starting there. The, the verses will be up on the screen as well. But if you had to break Moses' life into a book of chapters, chapter 1 would simply be entitled, Blessed. Moses was blessed. See, Moses was born as a Hebrew slave in Egypt where uh, he had no future and low life ahead of him. In fact, it was so bad that they were actually killing all the children in the Hebrew camp uh, when he was born. And through a series of miraculous events, God spares his life. And not only spares his life, he brings him into the very household of Pharaoh. And he's raised as a prince of Egypt while the rest of his people live as slaves. He is living blessed In the home of Pharaoh himself, the most powerful man on the planet. Moses was blessed. 
Chapter 1 was Moses is, God is looking out for him. God is doing great favors for him. God is setting him up for success. Chapter 1 is all about being blessed. If that's the title of chapter 1, then chapter 2's title is called Oops. Oops. And that's where we pick up the story here, Exodus chapter 2, starting verse 11. And it says this. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He's talking about the uh, Israelites. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting with each other. And he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian. So chapter 2 of God's story of Moses' life is Moses screws up. He screws up. And in a moment of of, of rage, in a moment of, of righteous justice, you could even say, he went from the prince of Egypt to a fugitive in a foreign land. And he flees his home and he flees his, his position of promise. And he, he left Egypt. So he went from Egypt. And you want to think about Egypt. Egypt would be like living in Buckhead. Okay, there's a lot of... Going on, okay? It was happening. I, I always try to find a way to put some beatbox in my message, okay? so He went from Egypt, the, the hotbed of life and society and culture and life. And he went to Midian. And now Midian is sort of like RK Georgia. Not a lot happening there. Sorry, Tom, if you live in arcade, I apologize. But uh, he went to a place that not a whole lot going on. And you might think, man, Moses' life was over. Moses had lost everything. It was riches to rags kind of story. But the truth of the matter is, is God had Moses exactly where he wanted him. Exactly where he wanted him. He had him in this waiting. And that's the, that's the title of this third chapter of Moses' life. It was waiting. Waiting. Nothing happening. Not much going on. See, in this waiting phase of our life, whatever you're waiting for, what Moses was waiting for, this is a quiet time. It's calm. You, you begin to be able to hear things that in the busyness of life you couldn't hear. And in the waiting chapter of your life, in the waiting moments of your life, you have to start taking a hard look on yourself. In fact, that's what God designs the waiting phase for. Is the distractions seem to go away. The busyness of life seems to go away. The control over your own life seems to dissipate. And what you have left is a relationship with God and you're waiting for Him to move. And in those moments of waiting, you can hear God speak into your life, if you're listening for it. Moses had to wrestle with being a murderer. He had to deal with his impulsive nature. He had to seek forgiveness from God, realizing what he'd done was horribly wrong. 
and ultimately find forgiveness from God. And now I know, it doesn't say he explicitly found forgiveness from God, but here's how I know he did, because our God is a forgiving God. Is that true this morning? That the God of the Bible, that the God of history, that the God of creation is the God of forgiveness because He sent His Son Jesus Christ to come into the world to forgive the world of its sins and its transgressions. And as He meets with God in this waiting phase, in the desert of Midian, He finds forgiveness from God. It's a foreshadowing of what Jesus Christ would come and do a couple thousand years later, that He would come to a cross and He would pay the payment for sin that Moses couldn't pay and that I couldn't pay and that you couldn't pay, that we were guilty before the Holy God and yet Jesus came and in the mercy of God, He offered forgiveness to each one of us. That's what we celebrated with baptism, that they found forgiveness from God through Jesus Christ. When we get back to the story, and and in Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 2, he finds a wife. God blesses him with a wife. He gets married. And then it says this, Exodus 3.1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. If you want a snapshot of what chapter 3 looked like, it was just one sentence. He was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. And Moses had not only gone from a, a prince to a fugitive, now he finds himself as a sheep herder. That uh, is nothing to brag about. In fact, when we went to Israel this this year, uh, Gabriel and I saw shepherds out. Uh, they were, they're all over Israel still today, and it's a lonely job. Out there with sheep. I don't know if they start talking to the sheep or, you know, have a good relationship with the sheep, but that's all you have to talk to. Except we did see it. We saw one guy on a camel with his sheep and he was on a cell phone. That is not something you see every day. So back then, no cell phones today. It's a little better. And in this waiting phase, all alone with the sheep, out in the field, God goes to work on Moses' identity. See, Moses could no longer find his significance in his identity, in his position as prince of Egypt. He was about as low as you could go as shepherd. It wasn't going to be found in his success because I don't know if you noticed or not, those weren't even his sheep he's watching. It says those are Jethro's sheep. And so he doesn't have sheep. He doesn't own land. He, he doesn't have much of anything. In today's culture, he would be renting an apartment, leasing a car, and has a furniture from Aaron's rent to own. Okay, just nothing, to, and nothing wrong with that, but nothing to call his own. No measure of success that he could hang his hat on. He had nothing. He had nothing. He had nothing. And when everything is taken away, you and I have two choices. We can either long and dream and think about and scheme for and look for a day when we will once again have the things that we long to have and once again find our identity in what we have, what we do, or who we're with. Or in that waiting phase, we can shift our identity to something else, to what God says is true about us, who He says we are, that we're called by His name, that we're called His children. Those are the two choices when God takes it all away. And God's purpose in waiting is that you will find it in Him. When you're waiting for God to move, that's the moment God wants to step in and say, you don't need to find whatever you're longing for and waiting for. That's not going to be the answer either. The answer's in me. 
Now, I want you to notice how long Moses waited. Check this out. In Acts chapter 7, God gives us a little tidbit here. It says, uh, speaking of Moses, and it says, when he attacked the man, Moses was 40 years old. 40 years old. But then in Exodus chapter 7, it said this, Moses was 80 years old. So this waiting phase began when Moses attacked the man. And then it, it sort of ended when God gave him an assignment to go deliver the Israelite people out of Egypt. And it says, when Moses was 80 years old, when he spoke to Pharaoh. So when that next phase started, he was 80. Now you can do the math like I can do the math. And that means there's 40 years in the desert. There's 40 years of God holding him in chapter 3 where he's waiting for something to move. And we think a few days and a few weeks or even a few months is a long time to wait. Yet Moses waited in the desert of Midian for 40 years. And I know what we think when we're waiting for God to move and we think, God, when is this going to change? And when are you going to come through? Or when are they going to see it? Or when am I going to get it? Or when is that going to happen for me? When it doesn't happen, when we think it's going to happen, we think one thing, we think God has abandoned us. That is the temptation we feel. When we continually wait, we think, maybe God doesn't matter. Maybe I'm not important. Maybe it's he's not listening. Maybe he's not going to come through. At the very least, we think, man, these these days or weeks or months or years have been a waste of time. Guys, I disagree with that. I disagree because, listen to this, the desert was the most pivotal point in Moses' life. It was the most life-transforming phase of his life. See, he went from an impulsive, self-righteous man who killed someone on a on a whim, on a on an impulse to a man God could trust to lead his people out of Egypt. He went from one to the other. It was over that time, when you and I think that time was wasted, that God used to make Moses into the Moses we think of. He went from a man of charisma to a man of character. He went from a man doing things his way to a man doing things God's way. And while he's there, in chapter 3, 40 years in the desert, God is preparing him for chapter 4. See, when God has you in the waiting phase, you know what that's true? That means there's something else coming. There's something he's preparing you for. There's something he wants to go to work on. And there's something he wants to do in you before he can do something for you. And so he has us wait. And when God approaches Moses at the end of chapter 3 to start chapter 4, Moses is not this self-righteous, self-important guy. He says, God, I don't speak well. I stutter. He says, God, I think you've got the wrong guy. Maybe you want my brother Aaron. He's a great talker. And he's not all full of himself. He's simply a guy that wants to do what God wants him to do. He's a guy that has an intimate relationship with God that was cultivated 40 years just him and God in the desert. He's humble. And he's faithful. 
And he's a man that God can entrust to lead literally what scholars say millions of people, of God's precious people, out of Egypt and into the promised land. Later, the psalmist would write in Psalm 77, it says, "You speaking to God, he says, You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Isn't that beautiful? He acknowledged that God used Moses, and look how he led him. He didn't need a military leader or conqueror. When God called Moses to fulfill his life purpose, he didn't need an impulsive warrior. What he needed was a shepherd. And so those 40 years in the desert weren't wasted years. Those 40 years in the desert were preparation for the big thing that God had for him later in chapter 4. And that time was invaluable. It set the course for the rest of his life. And if you're waiting this morning, if you're waiting for a breakthrough to happen in your life, I'm going to beg you to embrace that time. Embrace the waiting period that God has in your life. See, the waiting part wasn't the part Moses had to go through to get to the good stuff. The waiting is the good stuff. The waiting is the good stuff. That's where God becomes real and intimate in our lives. It's where you and I, our character gets remade into something more beautiful, more holy, more uh, more usable by God. Is in the waiting phases of our life. And in chapter 3 of this waiting of our lives, God goes from just an idea and a concept into our identity. And He goes from being a far off God to our Heavenly Father who's close and intimate and real. And it's where God cultivates death, depth in our relationship with Him. So when we get what we want, it's easy to love God. And when we get what we want, it's easy to worship Him. But what we sang this morning, God, I'll worship you while I'm waiting. What we're acknowledging is, is God, hey, listen, I may not have all the desires of my heart. There's other things I long for, but I will still worship you because you're still God. And I'll still worship you because you're still good. And I'll still worship you because I'm trusting that what you have for me in the next chapter of my life is the best thing for me. And God, I'm not waiting to fast forward and skip to the good stuff. I'm going to embrace that you're near now. And in those moments, God's asking very simple but powerful questions like, Do you trust me? Do you believe that I'm good? Do you believe I have your best interest in mind? And when you embrace the weight, you're declaring to God and to yourself, Yes. I believe that those things are true. God, I believe that you are good. God, I believe you have the best in mind for me. God, I believe that this waiting thing doesn't mean you've forgotten me, that while I'm waiting, you are forming in me a a, a character that cannot be formed any way else. And God, while I'm waiting, I'm getting drawn closer to your heart. And God, I'm not coming to you for what you can give me. I'm coming to you for what you are and who you are. Um, so let me rewind about six years of my life. And um, if you don't know the story of Crossroads, next month we're going to turn 10 years old. We're going to be celebrating our 10th anniversary, and I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. 
Can I tell you that in 10 years, God has been incredibly, incredibly, incredibly faithful to me and faithful to this church and faithful to these people. In 10 years, God has never let me down. God has never failed me. God has never let this church down and failed this church. But can I tell you something? Two or three years in, we were running about 100 people. We'd gone from zero to 100 and seen God do some amazing things. And we're going to celebrate that on our 10th anniversary. And while we were in a season of, of celebration and, and, and God working and moving and changing lives, we sort of got stuck. And about three years in, we were running 100. And so for the next three or four years... We continued to set up and tear down every Sunday. We continued to work hard at it. We continued to pray and seek God. But we didn't see spiritual growth. We didn't see all the, the, the numerical growth. We kept setting up and tearing down. We didn't have a building. And in those three or four years, I felt like I was in the desert of Midian. And I kept asking God, God, when are we going to go to the next level? When are we going to reach more people? When are we going to have a building? When are you going to do these things? And I felt like I was waiting on God to move. And if I'm being honest, I didn't truly embrace that. And as I look back over my journals now, as I have time with God, I like to write down my prayers and write down what He says and and write down scriptures. And, And as I started to look back over those three or four years of journaling over and over again, I saw myself wrestling with, God, I'm in this waiting phase and I'm wanting for you to break through. I want to give you, I want you to give me what I want. But then it started to change. And I I distinctly remember this prayer one day that I wrote in my journal. I said, God, if I'm supposed to pastor a hundred people, 100 of your precious people for the rest of my life, I just want you to know, God, that I'm in. That I want to be found faithful to pastor 100. I believe you called us here to do more than that. I believe there's a whole community that needs you. I believe there's lots of lives at stake. But God, if my part in your kingdom, if all I'm supposed to do is to be faithful with the 100, God, I want to tell you today that I'm going to be faithful with them. And I'm not going to wait for you to do something anymore. I'm going to embrace what you're doing right now in my life. And I I made a shift, guys, and it went from ministry being the most important thing to, once again, God being the most important thing in my life. And this morning, if you're in the waiting phase, if you're just being honest with yourself and honest with God, and you're saying, man, I feel like that's me. I feel like I'm in chapter 3. I'm waiting in my life. Can I just tell you this morning, that is a great place to be. Being in chapter 3 is a great place to be in your life. That God wants to do things in you that He can't do in any other chapter. That God wants to form in you His character and a love for Him that isn't about anything else but just a pure love for Him and what He's done for you through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's also a great place to be because that means chapter 4 is waiting. And I believe that every one of you, as you're whatever you're waiting for, that God has the end of the waiting and the beginning of a new chapter of your life. I believe that. And when God has got you in a waiting phase, there is a hope of a better preferred future. But when you're in chapter 3, you can either fill your head with what that's going to be like and then dream about it and get caught up in in chapter 4. 
Or you can fully embrace what God wants to do in your life right now. But can I tell you, you can't do both. You can't do both at the same time. I'm going to ask you guys if you wouldn't mind bowing your heads. We're going to have a a prayer time here together. And if you're struggling this morning in this waiting phase, you you feel like God was speaking to you this morning, you identify with this waiting phase, you're longing for a change, and you're longing for something to be different. Can I tell you that God wants to do business with you this morning right here and right now? He wants to draw you closer in relationship. He wants to meet you in that point of, of anxiousness. And He wants to give you identity in Him. He wants to remind you of the good plans He has for you. Can I tell you that He's got you right where He wants you? So this morning, if you're struggling with what it means to embrace the weight, can I just ask you, if that's you, if you just, without looking around, just slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. If you're struggling in the waiting phase of your life, hold your hands up. Keep them up. I'm going to pray. By faith, you hold your hand up while I pray for you and say, God, I want you to hear my prayer this morning. You know what I'm waiting for, and I'm calling on your name to be find satisfaction in this phase of my life and not long for the next phase, but it meets you in this phase. If that's your prayer this morning, say, God, meet with me. God, minister to me in this waiting phase. God, by the hands of faith that went up, I pray you bless each one, give them the faith to trust you, that you are good and that you're meeting with them and that you're going to draw them near and that the next phase of their life is going to come. But while you've got them where you've got them, that, Lord, that you would do a work in their life that is truly spiritual and significant. Thank you. You can put your hands down. And now for those of you that would say this morning, That maybe you thought God has abandoned you at some point in your life and you felt like you've been waiting on God your whole life. And you don't have what these guys that were baptized have. Can I just tell you that you don't need to be waiting on God. That actually He's been waiting on you. He's waiting on you to come running to Him. That He is your Heavenly Father and He wants a relationship with you. And you don't have to wait for that. You don't have to clean up your act for that. You don't have to get your life straight for that. That you can come to God as dirty and as broken and as sinful and as shameful and as guilty as you can. And He will come. And if you genuinely say yes to Jesus Christ and His offer of forgiveness, you can have a relationship with Him today and a new start. And if that's you this morning, if you'll simply call out on a God who's willing to forgive you, that sent His Son, Jesus Christ, in order to have forgiveness complete and full and put your faith in Him, then you just call on Him right now and say this, God, I don't want to wait anymore. I'm choosing to follow you today. I want a relationship with you. Tell Him that. I want a relationship with my Heavenly Father. And I ask for your forgiveness in Jesus Christ. I believe that He is your Son, and I believe that He died for me. And because He did, I can be forgiven. With every head down and eyes closed, if that was your prayer this morning, and you're running to a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you would just slip your hand up, I want to I want to pray for you. Praise God. Anyone else? Keep your hand up. Anybody else? Praise God. Let me just pray for you. God, thank you that you're a heavenly Father that loves us perfectly. And thank you for the forgiveness that you've given.
through your son, Jesus Christ. We rejoice in it today. In Jesus' name, amen.